message today is not a COVID-19 message. It's not like I'm preaching into the situation, but how many of you know we're preaching out of the situation? Thus the message moving forward, all right? We're, we're preaching a message of moving forward, and this is a message that's timeless because there's always going to be situations in our life when we feel stuck or we feel confused or we feel disoriented. I remember uh, years ago, some of you that have been with us for a while can remember back in the day when uh, I received a pretty straightforward call to run for office. It was a lot of amazing circumstances that all came together, and I found myself doing something I'd never done before, and that's run for, for public office. Um, Well, that was an all-consuming effort that took about a year of my life in addition to ministry here, in addition to being a husband and a father. uh, It was a grueling, demanding time, and it was go, 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 go for about a year. Some of you took part in that race with me. When the election was over, Uh, and I didn't get the outcome that I was hoping for. I got the silver medal instead of the gold medal. How many of you know silver medals in politics are worthless? Only gold counts. And I got the silver medal. Got to stand in place number two, which again is meaningless in the world of politics. Uh, But I remember sitting at my desk. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't like, oh, woe is me. But I experienced a season of disorientation that I had never experienced before. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes uh, a tragedy brings on disorientation. Sometimes it's the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's a loss of a job. Sometimes it's a painful life circumstance, a divorce or something like that. And I literally found myself sitting at my desk kind of moving papers from one side to the other and not really knowing how to get traction. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, even today we come into church. We've been going to this church forever. We hug each other all the time. We have our normal places we sit and and yet we're, we walk up to people and it's like you don't know how to, how to treat people. What is the matter with this? Uh, it is crazy disorientation and we're trying to figure out like what are the rules? Uh, and it's a bad place to be. And I just want to encourage us that if we're asking questions like, you know, what do I do now? How do I plan? You know, like, like the first week in June was supposed to be our church picnic. Um, but the reason is we can't plan a church picnic is because we don't know what the future looks like. And so we have to put everything on hold. I know you're, you guys are dealing with tons of decisions in your life where maybe plans have been changed, trips have been tra- uh, changed, celebrations has, have been changed. So here's the question I want to ask us this morning. How do we move forward from the situation that we're in? First of all, I just want to say this gathering here this morning is a moving forward. Um, and, uh, and I love those kind of moving forward. It, it's, it's where those of us that are able to, we take a step forward. We start getting back to good norms. How many know there's bad norms and there's good norms? These are good norms. Gathering together as God's people, that, those are good, good norms. But I came across a passage, and of course our series on moving forward, Lessons on the Life of Moses. If you got your Bible, open it up to the book of Exodus, because that's where we're going to be this morning. But I came across a really neat phrase I'd never seen before uh, in Exodus chapter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. It says, God heard their groaning, talking about the children of Israel, groaning, crying out to him for mercy and for deliverance. And it says, he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And then verse 25, he looked down on the people of Israel, and here's the phrase that jumped out at me, and he knew it was time to act. Isn't that a cool phrase? He knew it was time 
to act. God himself realized in his own flow of redemptive history that there are times and seasons for things, and in God's mind, he says, it's time now to act. I need to move on my covenant promise. I just want to tell you prophetically that now is a season to really act. It's a time to move forward. It's a time to make some choices about how we're going to live our lives. Because I believe this, uncertain times demand an uncommon courage in our lives. You know, whenever we're dealing with big question marks, and we got so many of those right now, lots of question marks, uh, the tendency for human beings is to sit back and play it safe. Uh, it's to wait, it's to watch, it's to let the other folks go first, it's to, it's to try to figure out uh, the perfect solution before you even take a step. And I just want to encourage you that success in life, success in the kingdom of God uh, does not work that way. Uh, success in any endeavor in life does not work that way. People that are overly cautious or people who live to play it safe generally are not the ones who take advantage of opportunity and generally are not the ones that are leader, leading in any capacity. And I just want to remind us, our culture here at Living Stones is that we're going to be growing people, right? And we're going to be multiplying leaders. Growing people, multiplying leaders. So I was sharing with our staff this week, it should come as no surprise that the first time we got a green light from our governor to open the doors, we're opening the doors. I've talked to some of my peers, and they're like, we're not opening the door. We're not going to be guinea pigs. We're not going to open the doors until we're sure there's not a bug out there, a virus anywhere to be found, because um, we're going to make sure we take good care of our people. That's not taking good care of your people. That's teaching your people to sit back and play it safe when so much of the Bible is about moving forward and trusting God and believing God. And so I just want you to know you're going to always be a part of a church that's going to be a church with a reformation bent. It's a church that wants to go forward. It's a church that wants to lead the way. It's a church that wants to provide solutions. It's a church of daring love. Are, are you in the right church this morning? That's who, we, that's who we are as God's people. And I hope you'll never hear it said that we don't want to be, ever be reckless around here, but I hope you'll never say of us, that's the church. If you want to go to a church where you always want to play it safe, go to that church. Ah! I'm going to resign if that ever happens, all right? I don't want to be a part of a play-it-safe church. Um, there, there, if there's no moving forward, no transition, no new season that ever comes in our life without action, and I want you to think about that. If you're stuck in a transition point right now, you're in a new season, you're never going to see advancement until you have the courage to step out and do something different and to face some of the things that you've got to face, and that's what we want to talk about this morning. So look with me in the life of Moses here, Exodus chapter 1. This book opens with a major transition that's taking place, and I want to begin reading together in verse 6. It says, in time Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. So here we have a generational shift taking place. These are massive. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. This is a, this is a testimony to God's covenantal blessing. And I want you, again, this is part of our inheritance, this is part of our DNA, that God wants to bring a multiplication in our lives of whatever good he has to offer, whatever kingdom things he has to offer. God is always a God of multiplication. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Even in times of hardship, 
God brings blessing and favor on his people, and we need to get that in our spirit because we're going to be, uh, I, I told you this earlier, we're going to be moving in times of, I believe, probably 2020 will be the start of a decade of, of some of the greatest uncertainty and upheaval that we've seen. I think you can sense it. It's not that things are going to settle down and we're going to get back to cruising on the love boat. Uh, I think things are going to get turbulent in our nation, increasingly turbulent, and, uh, and we need to be able to continue to believe that in the midst of that kind of turbulence, God's blessing is is going to be upon us. Uh, that's not even a question. In fact, it says that they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and they filled the land. Now, I want you to remind us that the blessing of God and the attacks of the enemy are not mutually exclusive. In other words, when you're blessed of God, you will be attacked by the enemy. You read this all through the Gospels. In one of the Gospels, or in one of the chapters, Jesus is performing a miracle, great deliverance, great revival. Everybody's coming to him. And the next chapter, look, what's happening? A counterattack from the devil. That's the way life is. Don't ever confuse the blessing of God for a lack of conflict in your life. In fact, just the opposite is true. After Israel goes through amazing season of blessing and multiplication, look what happens in the very next verse. Eventually, the Bible says, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Isn't it amazing that if you live for the praise and the applause of people, all it takes is a generation and and nobody knows who you are or what you did. I mean, who brought more blessing to Egypt and to the Egyptian people than Joseph? Uh, God raised him up and not only saved that nation, but saved Israel and saved many nations, surrounding nations, because of Joseph's godly example and, and incredible wisdom. And yet, and a time came when they said, who's Joseph? They completely forgot his contributions. Can I remind us during this season, we need to be remembering our history. Right now, there's a lot of national amnesia taking place regarding America and our founding and regarding liberty and our foundational documents and some of these things. There's a lot of amnesia, and it only takes one generation to forget who you are. Uh, nobody even remembered who Joseph was, at least the next regime that came into power. And it says this, he said to the people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and they're stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. And if we don't, if war breaks out, they're going to join our enemies, they're going to fight against us, and they will escape from the country. So here is a demonic plan that is being put together to keep God's people down. Um, I can't help but think in the hour in which we're living, behind the scenes, without falling into the conspiracy theorist camp, all right, you all with me, we're not into all these crazy uh, things that are going on, but does anybody sense that there is not something going on behind what we're currently facing right now, uh, that it, it literally the soul of America is under attack right now? Uh, and, uh, and you can feel it. We might not understand the details. We're not privy to that information. But I'll tell you this. There is a plan underfoot uh, to bring us down and to bring us down economically, to bring us down morally, spiritually, in every way. Uh, and we need to be praying against this. Satan always has a plan to attack God's people. And I want to remind you, whether we like it or not, we are the leaders of the nations. America is that. We bring blessing to the nations. We bring justice to the nations. We bring help to the nations. And when I talk to our brothers and sisters in the nations, they tell us, you know, if America goes down, what hope does the rest of the world have? We need to hold on to that. It is a birthright that we have, and we need to fight for that because uh, the enemy always has a plan. Look at verse, uh, verses 11 through 14 with me. Here's the plan. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. 
They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. Praise God. And the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy, and they made their lives bitter, and they forced them to mix mortar and to make bricks and to do all the work of the fields. They were ruthless in all of their demands. I want us just to put ourselves, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, one of the helpful things when you're teaching the Bible or studying the Bible is to take yourself out of America right here and now and put yourself as best as you can into that context. In other words, get into that frame of reference. Imagine if your day looked like waking up early, uh, going out, working and slaving in the sun all day long until you could hardly stand up, coming home, trying to eat something. You didn't have much to eat. You're a slave. They didn't treat you very well. Uh, and then crashing uh, uh, in, your, in your poverty, falling asleep and sheer exhausted, and then waking up and doing that over and over again. That is your reality. And let me ask you another question. Now put in their marriage. Now put in there family. Put in there all the choices that you normally make in your life in that context. And, and you tell me that was not a miserable situation. Because guess what? You're, you're still having to deal with the rest of your life, the rest of the decisions while you're being slaves and while you're being so brutally mistreated. This is an incredibly rough time. But here's what I want you to see. God blessed them in the midst of those difficult times. And the way that he blessed them, interestingly enough, was one thing that they kept doing is multiplying. Uh, one thing that they kept doing was uh, coming together and finding strength in each other and finding strength in their relationships, and God kept blessing them in the midst of incredible hardship. Can I just drop this into our spirit that we need to be people that no matter what's going on out there, we know in here and in here, we are moving in the blessing and the goodness of God all the time. That doesn't mean we don't go through tough times. It doesn't mean we won't have to help people out because that's what the body of Christ is. And I just want to remind everybody that's here, you don't have to go through anything in your life alone. You're part of a family. This is really good news. You're part of a family. You're part of a covenant with God that's, that, that goes through the generations. And even in the most difficult seasons, God's people always prospered. And I want you to get that in your spirit. That's who you are. That's, that's your DNA. That's your inheritance. That's the way we roll, that we're going to see God move. Even if he has to do things that are crazy, out-of-the-box, supernatural, that's, that's the God that we serve. And so the situation goes from bad to worse because in the midst of this cultural chaos, I want you to see that there are faces of courage who rise up. And I, I really, this is the part that I especially feel is prophetic for us as examples. There are three faces of courage I want to highlight here today uh, that rose to the occasion in the midst of that hellish condition in which they found themselves. First of all, I want, to, I want you to look with me at verses 15 through 17. We're going to take a look at the Hebrew midwives. This is, Mother's Day was last week. Guess what this week is? Mother's Day part two, all right? It really isn't, but we're going to highlight, we're going to highlight, this is interesting, in times of the greatest crisis, who demonstrated the most courage? In this particular situation, in these first two chapters, I want to show you some women that are incredibly courageous in the midst of, 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 of horrific circumstances, all right? Chaos. The Bible says in verse 15, Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. 
If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders, and they allowed the boys to live too. How many of you know that takes courage? When your leader tells you, kill every male child, and because the midwives feared God more than they feared the leader, they actually broke the law. They actually chose not to obey. They actually chose to choose life instead of death. And I love the promise in the Bible. What does it mean, pastor, to fear the Lord? Well, look at Proverbs 8, verse 13. All who fear the Lord, the Bible says, will hate what's evil. So let's just ask this question this morning. Do you fear the Lord? Sometimes people think of fearing the Lord as some terrible emotion, like we shouldn't fear God. God loves us. He's a father. You know, How do we fear God and treat him like a loving daddy? Well, part of what it means to fear the Lord is not to come before him like this, like he's going to harm you. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means you hate what he hates and you love what he loves. The fear of the Lord means that you align your life to follow what God likes and that you run from everything God hates. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, so I could ask us this morning, do we fear God more than we fear anything else? These ladies were confronted with a task. Here comes this little baby boy out of the womb. Their assignment from their leader is to take that child immediately and to go uh, throw that baby in the river and drown that child. Uh, imagine if that's your job and you're confronted with those kinds of moral decisions every single day. Well, let's take a look at what happened. Verse 18, so the king of Egypt called for the midwives and they said, why have you done this? He demanded, why have you allowed the boys to live? And here's the answer that they gave. The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. The midwives replied, they're more vigorous. They have their babies so quickly we can't get there in time. They came up with an excuse, all right? They came up with a good story. Those Egyptian women are sissies, but these Hebrew women, tough women, uh, they deliver these babies before we can even get there. We just show up, boom, baby's already there. What can we do? All right, look at verse 20. This is important. So God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because because the midwives feared God, He gave them families of their own. Isn't this beautiful? In times of moral crisis and chaos, if you'll stand up for what you know is right, and if you'll walk in the fear of God all the time, God will give you the desires of your heart. God will bless you in ways that you never imagined. But there's a stand that has to take place. There's a courageous stand that, 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 that has to manifest. You've got to move for God to be able to bless. So here's a, here's a principle I want to leave with you. On your list of fears, make sure the Lord is always number one. We're living in a culture today that is full of fear, and you, it's palpable fear. I mean, you go to the grocery store, and maybe you're a mask wearer, maybe you're not a mask wearer, but if you're not a mask wearer, you get some crazy looks. Um, I mean, it's crazy, the times in which we're living. Um, there's a lot of fear, palpable fear. Can I suggest to you that most of the fear is rooted in people afraid to die. I just did a funeral yesterday. Everybody was practicing social distancing at the funeral, up the hillside. It was weird. It was like giving the Sermon on the Mount with social distancing. (laughs) 
uh, and I had a chance to share with the families there. I mean, it was just weird. Everybody's spread out and, and nobody touching each other, hugging each other. And, and what an opportunity when you're standing by a casket to remind everybody we're all going to die. The question is, what hope do you have? And here's the beautiful thing. When you fear the Lord, number one, all those other fears start fading away into the distance. Part of the reason why we're seeing a polarization in our culture today is because people who know God are not freaking out. People who don't know God are freaking out. And here's the sad thing. The more people in our culture that don't know God, the more hysteria we're going to have in America. So we have our work cut out for us, all right? Uh, In fact, one of the reasons I like to take my mask down is so people can see I'm smiling. A smile in a time like this is incredibly comforting. Either people think you're deranged and you've got some other kind of disease or, or they're amazed at how the peace that you have. These women stood in the face of perhaps their death and they said, we're going to promote life. Let me, let me give you another principle here. To move forward, you must be guided by your convictions. What are your non-negotiables and where do you draw the lines? How many of you know if you're trying to drive down a highway and there's no lines, you're going to end up in a ditch? And I just want to tell you, there's nothing like times of chaos and uncertainty to challenge you in what you and I believe. Like, where are our non-negotiables? I saw some funny memes. You've probably seen them on Facebook, things that are saying, the only chip that's going in my body is going to have salsa and guacamole on it. All right, anybody see that one? Well, when I see those, I'm like, absolutely, because you know what? That is a conviction of mine. I'm going to be chipless. Till Jesus comes. What about you? You got your own conviction. The point is this. In matters of conscience, those are areas that are between you and God, and that's not an area for the state to infringe upon. You guys need to get this. Matters of conscience. So whenever you talk about the word mandatory and then put the next word, you've just crossed the line. Mandatory does not go with freedom and does not go with conscience and does not go with religious liberty. So you're going to have to figure out what the convictions are that drive your life. Because you can't move forward if you don't know where you're going. And you can't move forward if there's no boundary lines to help guide you, you, know, to guide you moving forward. So at some point, you've got to figure this out. Uh, now, this was our first go around with all this, this pandemic stuff. And we're all, we all have our opinions. But I'll just tell you this, I've made up my opinion for where we go from here in future pandemics, and it will be slightly different than where we've just gone. That is a conviction. That is a core value. That is a line in the sand. These ladies drew the line in the sand. It takes courage to draw lines. We live in a culture today, no one wants to draw lines. You've got to draw lines. You've got to choose to move forward. You've got to choose what your core values are. And in times when everything's crazy, you have to grab onto those core values and make sure that you don't cave in. Look at what it says as a result. You know, he got, got, because the midwives feared the Lord, he gave them families of their own. Psalm 145, verse 19. He grants the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cries for help, and he rescues them. Isn't that a great word? He gives the desires, grants the desires of those that fear the Lord, and he 
hears their cries, and he rescues them. That's another promise of those who move in the fear of the Lord. I encourage you this week, pull out your scripture and do a search for everywhere it says the fear of the Lord in the Bible. Read that and get it in your heart and say, God, I want to put my confidence in you more than I fear anybody else or anything else on the planet. Let me move to another example here. Number two is the woman named Jochebed, who is the mother of Moses. Look with me on the screen, if you'd like. Numbers 26, uh, verse 59. You're going to hear some names that we maybe aren't familiar with, um, but this is the genealogy where Moses comes from. It says, Amram's wife was named Jochebed. She also was a descendant of Levi, born among the Levites in the land of Egypt. Amram and Jochebed became the parents of Aaron and Moses and Miriam. How many of you heard of those three? Aaron and Moses and Miriam. All right, we hear of them, but how many of you know everybody comes from somewhere? We haven't heard about a couple that was a dynamic couple. I want to ask you this question. If you knew that getting pregnant, you had a 50-50 chance that if you had the wrong gender, that your son was going to be thrown into the Nile and eaten by crocodiles or, or, or drowned at best, all right? That was the future. Let me ask you this question. Would you have kids? I mean, that's a heavy question, all right? Can, can we just pause right there? Sometimes we read through the Bible, and we don't let the weight of what just took place hit us. These people are slaves, They are mistreated. They have a government that hates them, a government trying to keep them down, a government that is bitterly ruthless against them and and, and now realizes plan A didn't work. So now plan B is every male child thrown into the river, the Nile River. And Moses' parents, Moses isn't even here yet, Moses' parents have a decision to make. Are we going to have a child? Big question. Really big question. I know people now just in the natural are thinking things like this. Do I really want to bring a child into this world right now? It's a legitimate question. My point is simply this. Where are you going to get the answer for that? And is your answer going to be one that presses in and moves forward? Or is it an answer that's going to cause you to shrink back and play it safe? This woman had to figure this out. But here's what I want you to see. This woman was no normal woman. This Jacobet. Miriam became a prophetess in Israel, no small thing. Aaron becomes the high priest, and Moses becomes the deliverer, all because one woman chose to believe God in the face of the most difficult circumstances. And they chose, in this way, they chose to keep having a family. What was her courageous act? Here it is. At the height of Egyptian persecution, she conceives. She carries a son. She, del- she delivers him. She hides him for three months, and then she comes up with a plan to have this boy spared. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, 23. It was by faith. Everybody say by faith. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. And they saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. Here's another principle. Moving forward requires that we place our confidence in who we know and not in what we know. I want to say that again. You can't move forward if you're waiting for all the details. You move forward not because of what you know. You move forward because of who you know. Now, in this situation, here's where we get back to values. Is marriage a good value? 
Is having a family a good value? Is promoting life over death a good value? Is disobeying authority when they're telling you to do something evil a good value? So here's what we do know. We do know a whole lot about God's heart from the scriptures. We got the promises of God. We got the word of God. We have the character of God. We have the presence of God. When you have the presence of God, the promises of God, the character of God, I mean, you know, you, you already know a whole lot that a lot of people don't know. So here's what we do. We don't act on what we don't know. We act on what we do know. Let me put it this way. Should I have the baby? If I have the baby, I have a 50-50 chance of having the wrong gender. Therefore, I'm going to... Does anybody see any similarities into the decisions we're trying to make now? How many of you know, here's, here's the choice. I could go back to my normal life and get sick and die. How many know that's the reality? Or I could go back to my normal life and not get sick and live a great life. So what do I do? I'm going to leave that answer with you guys. I'm just trying to help us. She says this. Let's have a baby. And let's believe God. Can you imagine when that child came out and they go, it's a boy. And they hold him up upside down, smack him on the behind. That was not a moment for celebration. That was a moment for, oh my goodness, it's a boy. What am I going to do? What are we going to do? Well, you know the rest of the story. Because we now get to a third hero in this passage, and that's Miriam, Moses' sister. She keeps watch over this little brother as he floats down the river, and then she courageously approaches Pharaoh's daughter with this innovative plan to nurse the baby among his own people. How many know that's pretty crazy? Here's what I want us to see this morning. This little, or big sister of Moses walks out, puts the baby in the river. How many of you know that river that she puts the baby in is the instrument of, the, of death for all the other boys? So she's going to the, to the instrument of death and taking this little infant baby and setting that child in the river. Uh, and then at that point, here's what I want you to see. Sometimes faith says, Lord, we're giving you this situation. And you know what you do? You set the situation in the river of faith and you see where God takes it. Anybody ever been there? You don't know where it's going. You don't know the outcome. You just know that having life and choosing life is better than focusing on death. I'm going to say that again. Choosing life and pursuing life and, and, and trusting God is always the better option than sitting back and trying to avoid death because there's no life in avoiding death. There's just fear and uncertainty and paralyzation and, and a, a bunch of other things that come. Isolation, we're seeing all kinds of terrible things that are happening in our culture right now. Now, this is the history. As you look at Jewish history, this is not biblical history. You're not going to read this in your Bible, but this is Jewish history. I shared this when, when we were doing our, one of our Facebook Live uh, episodes. Uh, but in one of the Jewish midrashes, which is an interpretation uh, of, of Jewish scripture, we read of how young Miriam confronted her father, Amram, and she persuaded him to change his mind. Hearing of the decree that every male Israelite baby was going to be drowned in the river, 
Amram led the Israelites in divorcing their wives so that there would be no more children. So he says there's a crisis going on. We cannot allow uh, marriages and babies to continue. So we're going to have the husbands divorce their wives, and that way we're going to cut off the possibility of having male sons that will be killed. All right? That was the ruling, supposedly. Here's what happened. It said he had... He had logic on his side. Could it be right, after all, to bring children into the world if there was a 50% chance that they would be killed at birth? And I'm reading this, and I'm going, it's like we're reading the newspaper today or listening to the evening news, because this is the kind of convoluted logic we're hearing every day. Is it right to go out when you, you might be asymptomatic? You might be this, you might be that. You might cause grandma to die. I mean, we hear this all the time in our culture today. Nobody wants to cause grandma to die. I got my mom over here. Last thing I want, all right? I love my mom. How about you? You guys love, your, love mom? All right, we love, we all good. We all settle. We all love mom. Good thing. Logic would tell you, hide in your closet until we're absolutely sure that nobody could be asymptomatic or nobody could be carrying this disease. Just hide, 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 hide. Well, check this out. Miriam, so the tradition goes, protested with him. Your decree, she said, is worse than Pharaoh's. His affects only the boys. Yours affects all. His deprives children of life in this world, and yours will deprive them of life in the world to come. Amram relented, and as a result, check this out, Moses was born. Let me just ask you this question. What does history look like? if Moses isn't born. I love to think those kinds of thoughts. I I love to do the what ifs. What if, in this situation, this family was not a family that was moving in faith, a family that was willing to take risk, a family that was willing to press in? Check this out. Moving forward always means you've got to face your fears. Can you imagine Jochebed taking her son who she's hidden for three months until she couldn't hide him any longer, taking him and placing him in the very river that represents death. How many of you realize if you move forward in life, in anything, we're completely out of the situation, lift at us, move us down the road, we're not talking about COVID-19, we're just talking about life. How many of you know you never move forward in your life spiritually, you never grow, you never get free until you're willing to face your fears? And there's no time like now in all this uncertainty when things get stirred up in our hearts. What the Lord many times asks us to do is face your fears. Second thing I want you to see here is the Nile, which was Pharaoh's instrument of death, became God's tool for life and for freedom. I believe that out of whatever situations you're going through, and some of you right now, I know situations that we're facing. Some of you are in critical situations right now. The very thing the devil meant to destroy your life, God will use to heal your life if you'll allow it and if you'll face your fears and if you'll come naked before him and lay your heart out before him and say, God, I need help and I need to move forward. God, I want to move forward. I want to move forward personally. You've got to face your fears and you've got to realize, we sang it this morning, and don't you love singing that song, what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. How many of you really believe that? How many of you believe that a river of death became a super highway of deliverance? 
the same river. When God touches a river, it has a whole different purpose. And I'm going to end you with this thought right here. Moving forward means choosing to believe that the Nile is still God's river. The Nile is God's river. It's not the devil's river. I just want to encourage you that we're living in time. The times we're living in now, they're God's times. God's working out his purposes. God's working out his agenda. Uh, God is shaking the nations of the world. God is shaking some of your kingdom, some of your own households. I know folks that are dealing with stuff, serious things this morning. Can you believe with me that if you'll allow God to shake you and you'll allow God to deal with you, that God can turn something that the enemy meant for evil into something that's really, really powerful? Now hear me, especially those of you watching online, I want to make this clear. Everybody is facing different situations. We've got loved ones in our church family that are especially targeted due to underlying conditions. How many of you know there's wisdom and prudence as well? I'm not talking about recklessness. So I want to let you know that whatever situation you're in, we support you. This is not a one-size-fits-all. I'm not telling us all we need to throw our mask away and let's just have a giant group hug at the end of the service. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying this. We're confronted with serious choices every day. And, uh, and when I see fellow Americans that are basically saying they're not going to live their lives until the fall, I just say, man, I pity that person. When, when, I, when I think of school officials that are, that are saying, you know what, we're not going to let kids go back to school until the end of the year, I'm thinking, why would you make a decision like that, especially when we know that it's young people that are least affected with this virus? I mean, we're not even looking at the facts any longer. I get concerned for the soul of our nation when I see us uh, so unwilling to move ahead boldly. So I want to encourage you. Here, here's, the, here's the balance that we have to strike is we want to make sure that we love our neighbors and not live in fear at the same time, that we do what our consciences tell us to do and that we're not pointing fingers at other people, all right? Uh, that we're not publicly shaming people who are different than us. My son showed up at Mother's Day with a mask on. He was the only one with a mask on for Mother's Day, and then he opened it up, and there was a giant hole cut around his mouth so he could eat the food while he put his mask on. Of course, it was done as a joke uh, because the mask was worthless, but uh, uh, the point is... Uh, we all have to live our lives, and I encourage you, uh, live your life as God's leading you. I, I, I love my mother-in-law's not here for this service. She'll be here next service, but, you know, she was praying, Lord, what do I do? How do I respond to this? How do I, how do I react in this situation? Lord, here's our question. Lord, do you want me to go to church? And she turned her TV on, and she had worship, on, you know, going through the TV, the worship channel, and guess what song popped up? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And she said, thank you, Lord. She'll be here second service. But anyway, you need to have those types of encounters with God. And if the Lord's saying, hey, stick it out till June, then you know what? Stick it out till June. Uh, but be obedient to God. But bottom line, I ask you this question. What are the great people, great situations, great exploits that God is waiting to do if his people will simply move forward? It's a great question, isn't it? What kind of Bible would we be reading if there was no Moses? And here's the cool thing. What kind of Bible would we be reading if Moses didn't have an awesome mom, a courageous mom? What if those Hebrew uh, midwives would have just said, well, we're just obeying the law. 
You know, I'm glad to say I've got good buddies in California right now that are part of pushing back because they're dealing with some insane restrictions on church. And here's my challenge to all the pastors that are out there. If I was, I'm just telling you, if I was in an insane state, I would probably be in jail today. I'm just letting you know because we would not be sitting back and allowing that kind of nonsense to happen because here's why. Some things are more important than life itself. Some of you need to hear, didn't, didn't Patrick Henry, this is history, didn't he say, give me liberty or give me death? I just want us to say, and this is the message of the church, that in this life, there are many, many more things that are more important than my personal comfort and life. Truth is more important. Freedom is more important. The glory of God is more important. Fear of the Lord is more important. Life is more important. There's a whole lot of things more important than breathing in and out and extending my days. There's a whole lot of things more important. And we've got to be willing to stand for those kinds of things. That's what people do. That's how we move forward. That's how history moves forward. That's how God's purposes move forward. So how about this? Stand to your feet with me. Can we lock our arms in faith together this morning, all of you watching online, all of you watching uh, next door in our overflow room? Here's what I just want to see, that, I, that the church leads the way with a spirit of love and service and fearlessness, loving our neighbors, caring for people, but we begin to move forward in our lives, and we begin to trust God, uh, and we begin to pray like never before for an awakening. God, raise up the Moseses in our culture today uh, that will stand against the injustice and that will br- bring healing and deliverance. Father, we, we come to you this morning full of grateful hearts. Lord, as I look out and see people face to face, uh, I can't tell you the joy that floods my heart. Lord, this is our family. These, these are people we do life with. These are people we love with, we fight with, we, uh, in terms of fighting the enemy. We, we, we fight battles together. Uh, and, and Lord, we love each other, and we're so grateful for the privilege of coming together. Now, Lord, we just come against any a, attack from the enemy. We know that the devil would love nothing more than to shut the church down and to keep us uh, cowering uh, and keep us silent and keep us uh, separated. So, Lord, I just pray as you're opening up this nation again, Lord, let the church arise like never before. Let our voice be heard like never before. Help us to love courageously, Lord. And, Father, we just ask you to move your agenda forward. Lord, it's hard to believe we've gone halfway through this year just about. It seems like a blur. And, Lord, we don't know what the second half of the year looks like, but we do know this. Your purposes are always to bless and, to, and to, to move your agenda ahead. And so, Lord, we pray for a great harvest of souls in America and in the nations of the world. And, Lord, we pray that, that the church would come back stronger than ever. Lord, that the body of Christ across the globe would be stronger, more powerful, more united, more moving in faith than ever before, God. So help us, Lord. And these uncertain times to have an uncommon degree of courage. Lord, I pray right now for just anybody that's just been tormented uh, during this time. Lord, we know that torment is not from the Holy Spirit. It's from the evil one. And so, Lord, we take authority over that spirit of torment and fear and unrest. Uh, Lord, we break it off of your people right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And, Father, we ask that you lead us now boldly as we move forward. 
And Father, we're believing you for signs and wonders and miracles, God, for those that are sick in our lives and our family that we might know of, Lord, that you would touch them and heal them and restore them to health. God, we pray for our economy and for, for business owners and people that have been unemployed and people that are losing their livelihoods. God Almighty, we ask you for creative solutions and blessings, Lord, that the church would be able to provide answers in these uncertain times ahead. So we love you, Lord. We present ourselves to you. We just tell you from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for being our God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.